you're hitting a machine learning model in real time, right? And it's performing sentiment analysis, really. Um, that's in real time, it's transcribing the person's voice, the audio, it's capturing it, it's transcribing it to text, and then it's running it through a machine learning model to run some sentiment analysis on it. it could be pulling out keywords, key phrases. And then from there, it provides the output, right? In real time to the agent, maybe it's a, an emoji of a sad face, for example, right? Showing that, you know, the sentiment's a sad or an anger face. Artificial intelligence and machine learning certainly can be the stuff of science fiction, but the reality is it's very much alive and well with us today. Now in this episode of Cloud Talk, Mark McQuaid and I talk about the practical uses of AI and ML in production today. Now I've mentioned this to you in the past, but while the episode is playing, it's the perfect time to subscribe to Cloud Talk on your device so that you can be sure to always have the latest episodes downloaded and ready to go. You know, we produce one of these for you every single week. Okay, let's get on with the episode. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking the sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. Artificial intelligence and machine learning are two phrases that, unless you're in a technology-based role, probably instills uh, you know, some sort of, of anxiety because of, of what you think is capable of it, or because, well, you don't know of what those implications of, of AI and ML actually are. Well, hopefully in today's episode, we'll put some of that to rest as we dig into the background and foundational elements of, of AI and, uh, and how it's even being used today. But in order to help us through that conversation, I have brought back to the show, Mark McQuaid. Mark, welcome. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad you're here. Let's, uh, let's remind people a little bit of your background. Why are you the authority today on AI and ML? Um, well, I uh, am the uh, practice manager uh, in data science and engineering uh, with Rackspace. Uh, we work on all things data, all things machine learning. Um, so I don't know if I'm an authority on the matter. Uh, that might be a little, a little too much, but <laughs> I speak to it. So uh, yeah, happy to be on and, and uh, chat with you about it. So Mark, I propose to consider the question, can machines think? Yes. Great question. Um, can machines think in the, in the conventional term? No. Um, but you can provide machines uh, data, enough data, uh, to have them learn over time without being explicitly programmed to do so. So um, the answer to that is kind of a, a loaded answer with a, a loaded question, but they can't necessarily think for themselves, no. Now, well, and and probably it's best because I think you actually sort of did a little definition inside of there, and I think we need to tease it apart because, you know, if you, if anybody's ever done any reading on the subject, you'll know that AI and ML are always used together. Why? What? What? AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, ML. You know, why? Why are they so tightly coupled? So, uh, you know, 
artificial intelligence is more of the umbrella uh, term, right? Machine learning falls into, it's a subset of artificial intelligence, right? Um, the subset, as, as I kind of touched upon it there before, um, you know, you have the ability to feed data into a machine and have it learn over time uh, without, you know, explicitly being told to do so. Um, and then, you know, there's also deep learning under that as well, right? Uh, which, you know, which is a bit different from machine learning. Um, it's backed with neural networks and such. But um, yeah, artificial intelligence is kind of the main blanket term. And, you know, you'll hear it quite frequently, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning kind of used interchangeably out there in the world. Um, and yeah, so it's a subset of it, if that can, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And, uh, you know, whenever somebody talks about machine learning, you hear the term. I mean, if you have no context and someone says machine learning, you know, conjures up views of the toaster oven kind of coming to life and trying to bite my hand off when I go to put a piece of toast in it because the machine has learned that I only am using it for, you know, my own, my own food outcomes. But that's not what it really means. It means that you're helping this machine, the computer, with a basic set of data and input to then be able to make um, a recommendation, whether that is um, based on a whole big set of data and being able to collate that and provide valuable output or even predictive towards future elements. If this all happened in the past and it continued, maybe this is what happens in the future. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to machine learning, right? You have a lot of capabilities that you can do, right? That could be, as you had mentioned, some some form of prediction, right? You could predict a value based on some data input, um, some classification, right? So obviously, a lot of people have heard of, you know, spam or not spam, right? Like an email filtering kind of classification. Uh, you touched upon recommendations, right? Amazon, Netflix, right? All these places have you know, recommendation engines behind the scenes now where they say, okay, this person watched uh, this and we think you would also like to watch this right so um yeah tons of tons of pieces machine learning is a very broad term which can you know factor in a ton of things under under that umbrella right and you know you just used a few common products that we use every single day especially as we've gone through you know our covid last six months um you know you talk about netflix using machine learning behind the scenes you know as we've continued to do our work more than one person in the world uses outlook and outlook has a feature that's had for a little while which helps to get your focused email to the top of your your inbox google has done this for a number of years get the most important things to the top of it, uh, of the inbox based on um, knowing what you've responded to in the past, based on the words that are even inside of some of those, those emails, or even simply being able to flag effectively stuff that's coming from outside your organization or inside. So machine learning, with the scary title as it is, is actually helping us in very, very practical ways today. Yeah, absolutely. It's helping us in, in very practical ways, and it's helping us in more ways than than many people probably realize, right? Um, you know, when you're surfing the net and you get a you know a, an ad pop up, that's you know something that you had searched previously. You know, there's some kind of ML you know behind there that's recognizing that and uh, and providing you with that that output, right? Um, now, someone may not even realize that's machine learning under the hood doing that, right? Or, you know, as we use the Netflix example uh, or the Outlook example, right? Things are getting popped up that are personalized to you, right? And that's, you know, machine learning under the hood doing that. And, you know, someone may not even, may not even know that that's actually going on. Yeah. So, so machine learning is, uh, it's providing great value for us today. 
And uh, but it's also used. There's been some concern about how it's used and how it's tracking and just learning about us and our behavior. Now, in a product like Outlook, where we spent money for it, or or Netflix, where we are uh, giving the money every month, they want to make sure that we're happy and using their product, getting more and more value out of it. But I think questions start to arise for some of those quote unquote free services. Think about anything in the social. Um, uh, the social space, whether it's you know Facebook or Instagram or any of any of the like, you know, the more that it can learn about us as individuals, those services can learn about us as individuals, our patterns, our interests, our age, or all of those things. Then it then can really customize and bait us into those environments. So there's concern today that that it's learning maybe too much about us. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely accurate. I mean, there is a fine line. Uh, I'm sure you know people have seen in the in the news uh, over the last couple of years. You know, Facebook, for example, has had you know some issues with privacy. Right, they're collecting all this information. Um, you know, and they're also you know they they have the ability to you know, use that uh, for you while you're on their platform. But, you know, it's also, they're also capturing it, right? They're capturing that data in order to provide the machine learning. And they also have it though, right? So, you know, you have to watch that they don't share that out, right? Uh, people don't want their information blasted on the net. Um, and there definitely is a fine line between, you know, providing uh, AI that's beneficial for people uh, as opposed to using it in a more negative kind of context. Yeah. Well, I was surprised as I did some research for this, how far back uh, the the thought around machine learning goes. I mean, Alan Turing back in the in the 1950s, uh, obviously one of the original thought leaders in the space, really did a ton of work. In fact, I baited you just a little with the hook earlier about asking you the questions. I propose to consider the question: Can machines think? That was the heart of his game, and how they would how they would the test that existed for how good uh, a machine learning algorithm might be. Yeah, uh, machine learning has been around for for many years. Um, it it, it kind of you know there's been AI winters, uh, if anyone's heard of that term, where it kind of goes dark um, because you know it, there was some you know expectations come of it, um, and then it kind of went away for a bit. But now it's back. It's at the forefront. Um, you know, it's doing things that probably a lot of people, you know, most people did could never expect to have been uh, done in the world, uh, and that's you know. That's in the last maybe you know ten years, say right. Um, but yeah, it's been around for many years, and now it's just kind of really putting its head out, uh, taking the forefront, going to the forefront, and actually uh, you know doing so many things out there that people don't realize that people are getting benefits from um, the uh, the value out there. Uh, it's just it's 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 so much right. It's so much that's going on in the AI world right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of, you know, as I was looking into it, a lot of the areas where it was providing great value was sort of those those big hard jobs that computers do really well, analyzing huge sets of data and looking for pattern recognition, and then based on that, being able to help, you know, make recommendations or, or information. But more and more, we see it on the forefront and it becomes a tangible thing we get to use. I could walk into my to my office and I can put a piece of paper in the scanner and I can scan it. And all of a sudden I get a text document because it's done optical character recognition and then used ANML to make sure that, you know, just the math of figuring out where the lines and swoops went, that those were real words. I mean, I think that's a great example of, of where I'll call it AI for good. How's it making my life a little bit easier? What are some other areas where it's really jumping out into the forefront? Yeah, I mean, I think that what you're trying to, what you have to look at when when looking at bringing AI or ML into your into your business or into your uh, something to make your life easier is is 
is it complex enough to warrant machine learning in the first place, right? And so the example you just said there is perfect is a perfect example, right? So, uh, you know, if you're trying to process documents, massive amounts of documents, which many businesses have nowadays, um, is it, you know, are you going to want to put in the manual effort to have people go in, read documents and pull out, extract, you know, terms, phrases, whatever that may be from those documents that you require? Or are you going to use an AI backed service to do so, right? Makes your life extremely easy. Um, something else we see a ton out there nowadays is um, uh, transcription for audio files, right? So think of massive contact centers. Uh, they've been recording their agents for, you know, years um, and they want to you know get better uh, get better get more efficient uh, from from the contact center standpoint so they have all you know let's say millions of, of audio files and what are you going to do right so if you send those off to people to listen to them uh, to pull out information or you use a service right um, just again makes life extremely easy uh, and anything really uh, that's going to automate processes is going to make life uh, so much more uh, simple for people and then that's where you're looking at you know the ai is actually doing something that's that's bettering your organization or helping people and getting away from that manual process Right. And, and the way I tend to say it a lot of times is let's, how can we let machines do what machines do really well so that humans can do what humans do really well? And that's the hard and the complex things. But if we take a second and use your example around the contact center. So yeah, it started, you know, so much with all of these, these files being recorded. Um, you can transcribe them. Then you could, you know, have the ANML after the fact, go looking for where are some coaching opportunities here? Where did we miss the boat? Um, but even more so, you're starting to see it on the forefront of the call because the the um, because the the horsepower of the machines and the efficiency of the models are both increasing you know i've seen examples where as an agent would be on the call and the customer is expressing their concern or the product they're interested in that the agent is getting live information because the 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 model is looking at that live stream of data and the screen is changing in real time with the information they might need yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a big use case nowadays uh, for for any real time calls, real time contact center. So you're getting a you're hitting a machine learning model in real time, right? And it's performing sentiment analysis, really. Um, that's taking uh, you know it's it's in real time. It's transcribing the the uh, person's voice, the audio. It's capturing it. It's transcribing it to text, and then it's running it through a machine learning model to you know run some sentiment analysis on it. Could be pulling out keywords, key phrases, right? Um, and then from there, you ha it, it provides the output, right, in real time. Like everything's being done uh, all in real time to the agent. You know, maybe it's a, an emoji of a sad face, for example, right, showing that, you know, the sentiment's a sad or an anger face, right? So uh, in that case, yeah, real time, you're seeing a complete end-to-end, -end, you know, machine learning workflow in action by, you know, uh, an agent and a, and a caller on a on a call and you could express you know how that call is going right right in live action yeah and i've seen examples of that so that you know we think of that in a very much a commercial mode but we think about this being used for the common good um you know there there's a tons of great uh, apps that exist for tablets out there for kids with disabilities kids who might be on the spectrum and for uh you know their their ipad to actually respond to what's happening around them you know there's a lot of disabilities that exist around being able to to sense are people are the words being used angry words or are they happy words and being able to then respond to that with some sort of an icon or, or color coding on the screen so that they start to get a sense of that visual feedback?
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sentiment analysis. Again, that's a that's a form of sentiment analysis. Um, that's really big out there nowadays, right? Being able to take in uh, you know some form of of text and be able to say what it is, right? Is it is it positive? Is it negative? Is it neutral? Are they sad? Are they angry? Are they happy? Right? Um, even from you know a customer review standpoint as well, right? And think about Amazon and all the reviews that are left. If they had to have people go into those reviews and read each one individually uh, and see how, if people are happy with their product or they're not happy, like that, imagine, right? So you know, having an automated process, you know, an AI backed automated process to do something like that is massive. Yeah, I think that makes makes a uh, obviously it's an area where with the scale of how things are happening today, it helps enable that and ensure a great outcome for individuals. Um, other areas that that um, where where this works well, as we talked earlier a little bit about this, is um, things that are repeatable. You know, how about some examples there around where where AI and ML in repeatable actions are able to uh, accelerate and, and help individuals work at an exponential rate. Yeah, I mean, you look at it in the sense, I, I always look at an ML problem, you know, as you, as I kind of touched upon before, you know, is the is what you're trying to accomplish complex enough to warrant machine learning in the first place, right? So just to touch on, on what you just said there, right? If you if you have people manually repeating themselves over and over and over in, a, in some form of way, I, I'm sure there's, you know, machine learning can help in that matter, right? It can take away the manual process. Um, but it, it kind of goes further to that, really, right? So if you're looking at, a complex problem, right? If, if face detection, for example, let's look at a computer vision, right? Computer vision is really big nowadays, you know, it's all the raw. So if you look at face detection, right? Or object detection itself, right? That's incredibly difficult to, you know, figure that out with a basic computer program, right? Like trying to write a set of rules to, to detect faces, like that's extremely hard, mm -hmm. right? So using, you know, a computer vision uh, algorithm and, performing that face detection would make life a lot easier, right? So again, even, even uh, we touched upon the recommendations, right? Any kind of recommendation, like trying to accomplish that with simple you know, programming or logic would be extremely hard. So I think that you take the context of not only is, is, is this problem uh, repeatable, therefore, you know, we could initiate some ML, is how hard is it if we don't use ML compared to using ML? Right. Because, you know, as I said, doing some things without machine learning would just not be feasible. Right. And right. it really, really simplifies the process if you start bringing in artificial intelligence and machine learning into these problems. So somebody in your role, you know, as, as Rackspace or, or even any consulting company has the opportunity to talk to a customer about creating a new app, a new thing. You know, what did it look like to you to get involved on the front side of that and listen to requirements and say, this one, this right here. If we could, if we could add a little AI and ML to that that part of the story, uh, here's what the benefits are going to be. What's that experience like? Yeah, I mean that's actually a very that's a, that's one of the coolest things about what I do, right? Is we talk to clients all the time, right? And you know the AI ML buzzwords that are out there nowadays. A lot of people just want to get involved in that kind of world, right? They, they oh, we need to get we need to get machine learning into our organization. But the the real question is is why, right? Um, not every problem is is built for machine learning right there's 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 a lot of cases where it's not uh it's not you shouldn't even go down that road right so you need to take a look at the problem itself the use case itself and see if it if it warrants uh, machine learning um if you can do something very simply using you know uh computer programming and logic 
then there's no need to over uh, make it make it over complex and start bringing in machine learning. Now we sit down with clients and we say, okay, what do you think you want to do, right? And then yeah. you know, maybe that's you know maybe it's not the case, and we will be upfront and honest and just say, you know, we don't feel machine learning is the best use case for this scenario, right? Um, and if it is perfect and we'll we'll plan out the whole thing for them and and work with their team on on getting them what they need right that roi that's the key it's the return on investment right yeah so as you think about using uh, ai for for any sort of a solution there's a lot of thought today around if machines are going to be able to observe something um, audio inputs, video inputs, whatever it is, um, buying patterns, any of these sorts of things. It raises the question, if it's going to start making decisions on this, how do we have to start thinking about the ethics of, first of all, the decision that's being made? You know, everybody loves the trolley car example when you, you know, and Tesla's, of course, having to deal with this. And that is if you were driving down the road and uh, there is a, a kid in front of the car. Obviously, the way to save that kid's life is to turn. But if the only place to turn is into a group of 10 kids, what decision gets made in that scenario? So the ethics of AI are huge. Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, there's actually a whole you know world out there of the ethics behind AI, right? And I think that um, you know it's a it's kind of a we could talk for hours on the ethics of AI. So uh, I yeah. think that you know having it's more. I, I look at AI as a as a, a, a case by case basis, right? I mean, you know, breaking it down into a simpler form and saying, okay, using machine learning or artificial intelligence for this use case, um, you know, that's where you start looking at, okay, how's the ethics related to that, right? As opposed to, you know, use case B, right? It's it's too, in my opinion, it's too hard to look at it as a whole, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a, a you know, ethics in AI, right? It's just, it's just, it's just too, there's too many variables involved in that, right? It needs to really right. be and broken think, down into use case specific. Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great point you make. And I think it also helps to kind of delineate, to not get confused when we say ethics, we don't mean the morality of AI, thou shalt never kill, or mm-hmm. Uh, or murder, but but in this scenario, we're talking about the ethics. And in this, and 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 in thinking about that, I love the fact that you call out on a case by case basis. So when you think about a, a solution you're trying to solve, one could AI be a benefit here? Would it make it better, faster, cheaper? Um, financial benefit to the organization. And then second, should AI be used here? And then it allows you to at least have a feedback loop around the ethics and consider each thing from a case by case basis. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Up front, that's, you know, whether you're deciding to to use AI with a problem in your organization, um, you know, looking at the ethics of it as well uh, is big at the first and foremost piece, right? You want to see, you know, is it, are the ethics good? Is it ethical? And then on the second side, is it worth it, right? Is it worth it? Are we going to get that ROI? Is it worth the complexity and the effort, right? So before making that jump into the, you know, artificial intelligence world. And, you know, I, I'm using it as well. I'm, I'm interchanging the words as well on this talk. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you definitely have a lot of, you know, sit down and, and, you know, kind of a, a discussion, a brainstorming session on if it is right. If you do want to go down that road, as opposed to just saying, okay, machine learning, I love the term, great buzz. Let's get involved. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's some good thinking going on on there. We talked earlier, you mentioned that there is, um, uh, AI for good, uh, and an activity or an organization that's been set up by the UN. Maybe kind of talk about what what their goal is. Yeah, uh, AI AI for the good is is kind of a broad term that uh, is you know it's 
kind of self-explanatory, but it's using artificial intelligence for for the better of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and AI for the AI for good is specifically is a, a global summit that's put on by the UN uh, every year. I believe it's in Geneva, and um, you know it's a, it allows people to present ideas or uh, you know any anything that they're working on AI related uh, that is you know, practical applications that are are, are making the better the world better or trying to make the world better. And then what they do, AI for good, is they, you know, identify these applications and they try to, you know, if they're chosen, they scale these solutions for global impact, right? Um, and they, they could range over, you know, a variety of things, right? This could be uh, combating global hunger, right? It could be climate, right? Climate change. Um, it could be anything in healthcare, really, right? Like how much do you see out there nowadays where AI is impacting healthcare? It's predicting disease early, right? Things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you think about AI, there's a lot of you know mixed opinions on it, right? On what it can do, what it can accomplish, and uh, but AI for the good is is something else that's really big out there nowadays, and it's really just try to they try to make the world a better place using artificial intelligence. Well, and you brought up a really good point when you mentioned healthcare because that's an area that's being used a ton. It's helping doctors to look at um, you know uh, X-ray and MRI scans and see things and patterns that they weren't uh, able to see. But one example I love is is actually being driven. I think even a lot of cases, either out of hospitals themselves and organizations, and in some cases, insurance companies. And that is, how can you get better at predicting predicting when a patient is going to return for the same reason that they came in the first time? And, um, and that's helping drive up quality of care in a pretty substantial way. Now, it raises ethical questions around, you know, more privacy questions around is the organization, you know, keeping all of that private and safe and, and using it just for the stated goal. But in this case, it's helping us to be healthier. What a great outcome. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you brought up a great point there. Is So you may have a case like that where you – know, so maybe there there's a question of is it ethical? But at the same time, is you have to weigh it, right? Is the good better? You know, is it, is it performing more good than it is, you know – a question of, of ethics, right? And in that case, I would argue probably, right? If you're going to better someone's, you know, healthcare, um, I would say that you're probably doing something for the good in that aspect. And you know, you wouldn't have to, let's say, focus so much on, you know, is it, you know, the, the privacy aspect ethical in that standpoint? Because you know, you, you're you potentially saving lives, really, right? So yeah, yeah definitely. And I think maybe even in that scenario, the the question of of ethics maybe goes more to the physicians or the healthcare professionals because now we're looking very squarely at how they're they're administering um, you know solutions and everything that's happening around there. I mean, I, as a patient, they already have all my information. I expect that hospital knows everything about me. Um, but I would think it's how we're looking at everybody else who's going to touch my my quality of care. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, goes back to that fine line, right? Goes back to that fine line. Yeah. You just, yeah. You just have to weigh weigh what you're doing on a use case by use case basis, really. Right? And I think what we're also teasing out is the line isn't necessarily a black and white line because you, no. your your point earlier is is a little trade off here worth a massive uh, you know benefit that that's going to come from that. Are we going to save lives? I think it's a really good litmus test. Are we going to save lives with this one? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I mean, if you're asking yourselves, you know. Am I able to save lives by using this, you know, form of artificial intelligence? I think that's probably a good thing if you're even asking the question, because that puts into context that, you know, what you're doing is probably for the good, right? Um, and, you know, not all the time, mind you. Like I said, you, case by case basis, but um, you know, 
uh, I applaud anyone that has to ask themselves, you know, I'm, I'm saving lives using artificial intelligence, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. That'd be a fun project to be involved in. But there's also some really good thinking going on around how can you create even some guiding principles around it. So Microsoft is a consortium out there around, you know, with statements specifically around AI uh, and how it would be used. Google made a pass at that as well. But interestingly enough, um, all this is, of course, freely available. But interestingly enough, that that effort failed even in a matter of days, simply because there was a lot of of concern uh, that one of the members that they had added to this panel, very smart individual, highly qualified, but came from a conservative background. And the Googlers at large uh, got a petition going uh, even over just over a weekend after it was announced. Um, and, and there was concern that the models that we created would have a conservative conservative mindset. And it actually drove uh, Google to disband the whole thing, realizing they need to go back and rethink the whole process. So even in an organization as smart as Google, with people as smart as Googlers, there was concern and maybe even not necessarily founded concern. You mentioned earlier uh, when we were chatting in preparation for this, that that 60% of the models that are created never see the light of day. Why is that? Yeah, actually, uh, it's actually something really big out there now. It's uh, ML ops, right? Uh, machine learning ops. It's essentially, you know, CI/CD for machine learning, right? Um, and the reason being, you know, the biggest reason we see out there is because there's a there's a real disconnect between, um, you know, data uh, data ops teams and machine learning engineers or data scientists, right? Um, so, you know, they spend you know some time building this great ML model, but it never actually makes it into production and they never see that ROI, right? Um, so it's it's a very fine line again, right? It's a fine line, you know, just what you mentioned there, right? With the uh, the the person getting, you know, the conservative views getting removed from, from Google due to the fact that they may feel that this AI would have been, you know, biased in a way. So I think all AI should be unbiased as much mm -hmm. as possible, right? So look at it from a, a fairness principle, right? Yeah. So it should be, you know, designed and developed, right? With with that fairness principle in mind, right? Um, and then continued attention, right? Continued attention to it and vigilance, right? So if you do see bias, like human bias creeping into some form of AI that you're using, then you have the ability to, you know, as you monitor it, continue to pay attention to it, you have the ability to tweak that model accordingly, right? So- Sorry, go on, Jeff. Well, I was going to say, and if your organization has a goal to not have models that are biased, then it becomes a, something you can test for as well. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, to the second piece you had just mentioned, you know, you could build a fantastic machine learning model, right? It could be great, you know, no bias involved, great, everything to go, but it just never sees the light of day, right? It just yeah. sits in a development account and does nothing. Um, and that, that is, you know, that is kind of that, that next piece, I believe kind of in the, uh, in the AI ML world is, you know, ML ops. It's, it's getting the people's machine learning models, the organization's machine learning models out of that development stage and into production and actually being used for, for that return on investment. And it's a lot harder than people think, you know, as you said, 60% of machine learning models never see the light of day. So incredible. Well, clearly there's a lot more that I have to learn. Um, but that's obvious. I need to learn about everything, but, uh, but, but the world needs to learn more about how it's being used, how it can be used right. And I'll go back to how we're using it every day. It is impacting us every day. You get on, um, you go into amazon.com, you hit the chat box. You're not talking to a person. You're talking to a machine. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. 
and it's creating value. Well, Mark, um, I'm really um, thankful that you're able to be on again today. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a quarterly thing or maybe more frequently where we just get together and talk about around the water cooler, around uh, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence and how it's making an impact in the world. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of this. Absolutely. I uh, enjoy it and I will come back anytime. Excellent. All right, everybody. Have a great day. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, maybe we don't have quite as much to fear as I'd originally thought about AI, but I do still think there's an awful lot of room for thinking around the topic of ethics and AI. Now, a few more things before I let you go. As you may be aware, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and I'll be hosting a panel of experts in cybersecurity on October 22nd at 1130 a.m. Central Time. Now, to register, just head on over to this episode's page on solve.rackspace.com. You'll find a registration link there, completely free, but you do need to register. Also, we've been doing some planning, and I'm really excited about the episodes here at Cloud Talk that are going to take us through the end of the year. A little bit to tease you on that. We have a CTO of an app that relies completely on AI, and we're going to learn about uh, everything that they're up to. We also are doing our first Women in Tech episode, and we have uh, an accomplished panel of amazing women who are going to share from their own personal experiences. And also, we have corporate vice president from Microsoft, Scott Guthrie, who is going to engage in a conversation around low-code and no-code and everything that's happening in that space that's absolutely exploding. And next week, I'm excited to bring you an episode uh, from the CTO of Moogsoft. Now, Moogsoft is a company that is revolutionizing how IT operations happen by utilizing AI and ML. Sure seems to be the theme of the year. So until next week, this is Jeff Deverter, CTO at Rackspace. Thanks for listening to Cloud Talk.